What's up, guys? Welcome back into the APL Lounge. I am joined, as always, by the excellent but still waiting for his first Premier League win of the season, Sergio. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, Josh. Getting a little impatient, I'm not going to lie, but I'm very confident this week is the week Leeds will pick up their first three points of the season. I really hope so, man. I really hope so. I'm still waiting for that surprise uh, on the show for when they do win. I didn't think we'd be waiting until match day five, and I certainly hope we won't be waiting any longer than that. Um, so fingers crossed they can. I only hope the surprise lives up to the hype now, but uh, it, it is a good one for the viewers. Trust me. Um Interesting match day four. It always is in the Premier League, I guess, right? Started off interestingly enough. Crystal Palace absolutely swamping Tottenham. Let's jump into winners and losers, and I'll let you kick things off with the winners um, for match day four. Serge, what have you got? Sure. So I've got uh, two winner, uh, two debutants as my winners for match day four. Uh, the first from the match you just mentioned, Uh I have to give a shout out to Odson Edward at Crystal Palace. We spoke, yeah. I mean, we spoke about the impact that we uh, thought he might be able to make, not just for Palace in this fixture in particular. Um, you know, even though yeah. question marks with him coming from the Scottish League, you know, I think he came in late and he did exactly what you want a centre forward to do. You know, uh, two goals that really uh, perfectly exemplify the role of a centre forward in the Premier League. You know, you, you pick up the ball with a back to goal turn, shoot, just put it in the back of the net, um, you know, and uh, that's that's what you want from your, your striker, a couple of shots and a couple of goals. And, you know, uh, the second goal, I think, you know, was really, really crucial. Um, yeah. You know, you can make the argument that uh, Spurs would still be in with a late sniff if, if he hadn't put the game away. So uh, really crucial goals, uh, really um, important three points for Crystal Palace and just a massive boost to the club with Edward coming in and, you know, doing in, in the first uh, 20 minutes of Premier League action what the rest of the squad has failed to do in the first three or four games. So, yeah. yeah. I can't, can't um, argue that at all. Uh, I, I'll, I won't. Um, completely interject and take over, but I do have Palace as the winner as opposed to the one individual because I do think collectively as a team they were fantastic even up until the send-off. Um, at halftime, you know, they probably should have had the lead going into the break anyway. Just really assertive football from a team who, you know, we've spoken about it numerous times that are in transition and potentially, you know, still trying to find their identity under Patrick Vieira. But in a fixture like that and you know, of that magnitude that the atmosphere was fantastic at Selhurst Park. Absolutely emphatic performance, I think, from the opening whistle. 90 minutes of just terrific football. And and I think something that's given the entire club a real belief and hope for the season ahead, which was much needed after a pretty stagnant start, I think, to life under Vieira. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with, necessarily singling out any one performance for being the winner of the week, but Palace as a team for me certainly deserve to be there. Um, do I need to guess who the other debutant was or is it pretty uh, self-explanatory? Look, I, I think, uh, I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but you know, I think it, I think it has to be said. Um, and I, I'm going to make a very big statement. Um, and I would have made it last week. I'm not making it on the basis of this performance. Um, you know, for anyone that's still wondering, it's, um, it's CR7. 
uh, the, the one and only, uh, returning to the Premier League. And, um, you know, again, uh, it was exactly the sort of uh, special game for him and for Manchester United that we expected. Um, it, it was a demolition and it was a really, really impressive debut, if we if we can call it a debut, he's returning, but whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, re- really special day for Manchester United, uh, really emotional day um, for the club and the fans and, and for Ronaldo and the players as well. And, you know, I think we see not just the quality that Ronaldo is going to bring to the team, but uh, we also witnessed how he's going to lift the players around him. And I really think that is the the, the, the key factor here. Um, yeah. Yeah, just playing, um, just being in the midst of of a true champion is just going to give that club such a, a, a an important boost. And you know, I do think, and this is going to be a controversial statement, and you may disagree with me, but I honestly believe that Ronaldo right now is a bigger signing for them than Messi would have been for United. For United, yeah. At this point in time, I think he'll make a bigger impact this season. Than Messi would have made had they signed him. Yeah, I didn't expect that question. Um, that that would take a lot of, of thought and pondering. Um, <laughs> I probably would take the duration of the show to answer that. I can definitely yeah, understand. Tossed it on you like that. But. <laughs> I, I definitely understand how uh, it could definitely it could be perceived that way. Um, oh, man, that is so hard. Hey, yeah. Yeah, I'll come back to you later in the show. Yeah, we can return to that. <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely um, give it some more thought. But that's, yeah, they're two pretty self-explanatory winners, I think. I actually do have one honorary winner. I didn't feel it was quite worthy of putting in my winner's column, but I do really want to give a shout-out um, also because we're going to be covering uh, one of their games later. But uh, Leicester, believe it or not, um, of all the games that we call to be pretty straightforward, I felt that... Leicester was the team that uh, probably surprised me most just in terms of, you know, from what we'd seen from them um, so far this season, I thought that City would have a much easier time with them. I think Rogers' game plan was absolutely perfect, just really uh, narrowing the pitch, um, forcing the City defence up um, and enabling Vardy to get a lot of space on the counter. And Mm. Vardy was absolutely tremendous in that game. Um, And, you know, we saw uh, throughout the game, like laying off the likes of Laporte and and the City backs, giving them a little bit of freedom to play out from the back rather than um, trying to harass them as we see a lot of other teams do. And again, that that played in their favour. And, um, you know, they congested the middle of the park a little bit and they were just lethal on the counter-attack. Vardy really, really unlucky not to have the opening goal in that second half, you know, ruled off for a marginal offside yeah. um, and uh, yeah a couple of other occasions I, I thought Leicester were really really unlucky um, so yeah I, I really want to give a shout out to Rogers and and the game plan and I do think that is Leicester's best performance of the season believe it or not despite the loss um, so yeah yeah I, I think it was absolutely their best performance which I don't know necessarily says too much because for me they've been a little bit underwhelming overall uh, but that was probably a step in the right direction in terms of putting a solid performance against one of the top teams. Um, but for me, like I said, Crystal Palace, 
uh, unsurprisingly. Some of the banter as well from the fans and from Vieira himself after the game were absolute top-notch. Uh, Vieira <laughs> expected the results I never lose to Spurs was <laughs> fantastic. Um, yeah. I have as well uh, two other teams as winners, um, both Merseyside clubs, uh, Liverpool and Everton. Uh, Everton, you know, 3-1 winners this morning, equal top of the table, you know, Benitez has come in and just done basically, I think, what a lot of people expected this squad to do last season, given the talent that they have available to them. Um, but they just never put it together under Ancelotti. So I was kind of tempted to just put Benitez as the winner, but I think the players themselves as well have certainly bought in um, and taken their performances to another level, like in particularly in midfield. I think Alan and Decore have been absolutely fantastic. So, you know, justifiably, I think, with the points that they have on the board so far this season, the only game where they probably were somewhat fortunate was that Leeds game away from home. Um, but other than that, it's been pretty straightforward for them and, and very impressively. So, uh, and I have to say Liverpool as well, because Helen Road's not an easy place to go. And I think, you know, you can vouch for that, obviously. Um, but to go and to pick up three points in such emphatic fashion is super impressive and um you know as much as i am keeping an eye on the likes of chelsea and city i still am very happy with how this team is tracking to start the season and and how we're playing right now um both defensively and going forward of course as well uh hey josh Alrighty, apologies there. I have absolutely no idea what happened to the stream. So, are you good? Yeah, what happened? 
I have no idea. Let's just call it a StreamYard issue there. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, so. No idea. That was weird. But um, yes, like I was saying, uh, Mo Salah as well, 100 goals in the Premier League. I am still adamant that he's the most uh, underrated player in the Premier League, not just right now, potentially ever. Like his scoring record is just absolutely phenomenal and never gets anywhere near the recognition I think he deserves, not just for his goal scoring, but his overall playing. You know, there's so few players that are so dangerous in an opponent's third. Um, and to do it week in, week out, season on season since joining the club is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, for me, like I said, I think Liverpool absolutely deserve winner's column, just the emphatic nature of their victory. Um, like Chris has said here as well, I think just... The noise around the other title contenders, you know, with Ronaldo and Lukaku's arrival, Liverpool continue to just keep going along. And and this is the team that, you know, like we said, pre-injuries uh, last season were still top of the table and crushing the league in their defence of the, the title and obviously got completely derailed. And now that they're back and healthy again, they've kind of just resumed where they were um, prior to all of the, you know, issues, if you want to call them that. So... Yeah, I'm very happy with where the team is right now and how they're tracking. Uh, deservedly, obviously, top of the table for me. Leading the league in expected goals per game. Um, second to only Manchester City in expected goals allowed per game. You know, ex- leading the league in expected points. So, yeah, very happy overall with where they're tracking at the moment. Um, and, you know, it's unfortunate you have to wait another week for your first win of the season, Serge. But, you know, it's to a team that I think very few teams will be picking up points off, that's for sure. Yeah, look, after four rounds without a win, it's uh, it's little consolation. You know, I'm greedy. I just want the three points, um, you know, and I definitely believed we could do it. You know, maybe that's blind faith on on my part, but, you know, don't disagree with anything you've said. The quality of the team, um, as, as Chris mentioned in the comment, is basically just as it was prior to the injuries. So, you know, if we are really seeing the uh, return of the old Liverpool, then, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree completely. You know, even with Ronaldo and Lukaku coming in, the, the title race is going to be decided by uh, Manchester City and Liverpool. Uh, having said that, I think it's really important to remember, you know, this is the best version of Liverpool for a while. Uh, it's the best yeah. version of uh, Manchester. This will be the best version of Manchester United for a long, long while, and uh, arguably Chelsea too. Yeah, so we've definitely. got an absolutely uh, thrilling title race on our hands. Yeah, uh, very excited yeah. about it. Yeah, uh, it, it's going to be absolute fireworks for the next few months. Um, we'll go to the losers column uh, right now, really quickly before we dive into the weekend match day five action. Uh, is it fair to say Arsenal have avoided your losers column now that they have picked up three points, Serge? Narrowly. Narrowly. I mean, <laughs> it took a little bit of luck to get that goal as well. Um, yeah, both both Arsenal and Wolves' first goal of the season is strange, like very, yeah. very, very fortuitous goals. One was an own goal and Arsenal's was like the mo- the craziest series of deflections you know, I've seen in a while. So, um, but at this stage... Who are your losers? Let's go with that. My losers. Okay. Um, So I've got... uh, I've really gone with players over clubs this this week for some reason. Uh, I've done the opposite, but yeah, go. (laughs) I've got uh, Jaffet Tanganga as a a loser this week. 
I see players have brain explosions like that. And, you know, you're lucky to stay on the pitch in the first place, in my opinion, and you go and make yeah. that challenge within five minutes of picking up the yellow card. Yeah. Please explain that for me, Josh. I, I, I can't. Like, I have no words for that level of stupidity um, on both counts. Uh, just mind-boggling stuff. Um, you've you've just really got to be counting your lucky chickens that you're still on the pitch at that point. Right. And, like, obviously we'll never know. Like, we're never going to be in an environment like that where, you know, you can be influenced by the atmosphere and the occasion. But, like, I just don't understand how you can get to that level of just stupidity i think is the only way to put it like you know and like i said on both occasions as well not not just one it's not like one was hard luck and the other one was you know a moment of madness they were both absolutely dumb yellow cards to pick up i think the the first one i i do agree with you but the first one i i mean i could see the purpose i could see what he was trying to stop play it was a professional foul yeah yeah it was a little bit over the top you know there was the the palm in Completely. the face um, you know, I think that was a really easy yellow card, but not just that. Then the the aftermath. Um, yeah. he, he should have been a lot cooler than he was. So should have Zaha, but they 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 both sort of um, erupted. Uh, I, I think he was lucky to stay on the pitch after that, uh, given yeah. sort of the the trend we've seen with pretty strict refereeing this season. Um, and then to go and make that, it's just a dumb challenge. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I will well, look again. Again, I'm not going to interject completely, but I haven't got the player, but I've got Tottenham as a club in the losers column. Um, yeah. Because of the fact, I mean, like we spoke, we've spoken previously about how fortunate they've been to pick up wins in their first three match days. They come into this one, the only team to have picked up maximum points, first team to kick off, you know, match day four. And they lay an absolute egg in every possible way. I mean, at halftime, they registered zero shots. Not zero shots on target, zero shots. They had a 0.00 expected goals at halftime. Um, and, you know, like I said, Palace, I thought, deserved to be ahead at the break. I think they were completely deserving of the three points. Um, regardless of the red card, I don't think the incident itself had any impact on that. But... Just a horrible performance. And, and, you know, it kind of makes you wonder just how reliant this team is on Son up front because they looked a completely different outfit without him. And Harry Kane just, mm. you know, say what you will, but I, I don't know. He had absolutely no impact on that game whatsoever. And like I said, it's an easy case to be made, I think, that Son might be the most important player to this team. Look, I know we've got some Arsenal viewers um, and I know that I've probably upset them over the weeks with how uh, <laughs> critical I've been, well, we've both been towards Arsenal. But, you know, I'm going to say something right now that's probably going to make them very happy. After watching this Spurs performance, I started to wonder whether Arsenal would actually finish ahead of them on the table by the end of the season. Spurs were that abysmal. They were everything that, you know, we said Arsenal had been at the start of the season. So yeah. Wouldn't that um, be something? You look, and it was really, look, you look at the XG, it's not like Tottenham played particularly well in any of the opening fixtures. And they were somehow they were top of the table and they've gone from, you know, first to seventh 
in, yep. in the blink of an eye. But, you know, that just is an indication of how you can't really trust the league table um, at this stage of the season for, yeah. for obvious reasons. But, yeah, really worrying stuff for, for Spurs fans, in, in my opinion. The, the performance was, uh, it was abysmal. And, you know, uh, Tanganga, uh, that was on the nil-nil. So, you know, yeah. you're not giving them a, a better <laughs> a better chance to win the game by going down to, to 10 men. Look, they're just, um, they're going to have to pull themselves up and uh, they're, they're going to have to start putting together some better stuff if they want their uh, season to improve. Yeah, absolutely. Um, continue, though. That, I was just going to throw it in there while we're on the topic of Spurs, um, that they are absolutely my loser. They're actually my only loser of the weekend. Like I thought that they were that bad, yeah. that putting anyone else in the category with them doesn't justify how bad Tottenham were. So I'm leaving it just at Tottenham. Yeah, look, to be honest with you, I struggled to come up with another loser because all the games were pretty much as we as we called them last, se- um, last round. So... Um, I did end up going with Norwich, to be honest with you. Yeah, and I think it's just, you know, at this stage of the season, it, I think where they are is just not good enough. Um, and I, I think that, you know, the alarm bells are ringing for that club if they do really want to try and um, avoid relegation. Um, you know, and you, you look at the, the league table now and it's, yeah, it's just not uh, it's not pretty for them, is it? Um, it? It's it's brutal. Like it's you know it's brutal. But the one thing I'll give them is I don't think any team could have asked for a harder start to the season. When your first four games are Liverpool away at Man City, Leicester, and then away at Arsenal, you know say what you will about Arsenal. Any away game in the Premier League is naturally going to be hard, but those four to start the season is just absolutely criminal for a newly promoted club to have to deal with. Um, the only the only question now is how much does that impact the players psychologically to be four games in, have scored once, conceded 11, have no points on the table. I think that's going to be the bigger worry more so than where they stand at the moment. Well, that's it. Yeah, it's not really just about the uh, the fact that they're on zero points. It's the manner in which they've lost the games. The the floggings are really going to play in the back of their minds. And, you know, um, absolutely, you know, I'd love to see them turn it around. But, yeah, they're going to have to it, – it's going to be tough off the back of, of that run. Yeah. It's a yeah, brutal run of games, but – Interesting to see yeah, how they go going forward with a naturally softer schedule, I think. Let's jump into match day five, though, and start tackling some of these fixtures. Uh, your boys' first one's off the block Friday night in the Premier League, Saturday morning here. Away at Newcastle, uh, the model has Leeds just edging it. Newcastle 1.52, Leeds 1.77. Um, I do like it to be full of goals, this fixture. I really think that Leeds should prevail in probably more comfortable circumstances than what our numbers are showing. Um, But that being said, my concern with Leeds still right now is that real lack of killer instinct in the final third. I mean, their overall play for the most part isn't bad, but the end product is completely lacking. Um, And if I look at some of the data, they're, 
in the bottom three in terms of big chances created this season. That's not something you expect from a team coached by Bielsa. Yeah, absolutely. Look, the only thing I can really say um, in the defense of, of Leeds, um, you know, similar to the defense of Norwich, is that we have had a, a pretty rough start to the season. So, uh, you know, um, Everton, we actually played really well against, obviously, Manchester yeah. United and Liverpool. Uh, the only game that you could say we really should have won was probably the, the, the Burnley game. That was a really um, unique game, as we discussed, really rough and physical, and Burnley really managed to, to drag that game down to their level, in, in my opinion. That's the way I look at it. But, yeah, um, yeah so Leeds are definitely going to see this as an opportunity to, to start this season. And I think, you know, they're going to have confidence just from seeing the way that uh, sorry Newcastle have played so far. Um, easily one of the worst teams in the league, even going away. Um, which is always challenging in the Premier League. Uh, you know, I'd like to see um, a little bit more uh, incisiveness in the final third. And, you know, we've sort of discussed that uh, week after week, really lacking the quality in the in the box uh, and around the box that they really displayed uh, last season. And it's difficult to, to put your finger on why. I think it comes down to confidence because the, the quality is there. And, you know, we see... Um, you know, the likes of, of Rafinha getting into dangerous areas and putting in, um, you know, putting balls into the box and making through balls and, and you know, the runs are there. It's all there. It's just that little bit of finesse lacking on that very last ball. So yeah. I'd like to see it come together. I'd like to think that um, it will sooner rather than later. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, this is just a fantastic opportunity for Leeds to get that first three points and to really start their season it's not yeah you don't have a better opportunity to get going like it's that simple Newcastle conceded more goals than anyone in the league this season um you know they're dead last in expected goals allowed per game so far this season they're dead last in expected points so far this season you know there's very little excuse I think for not being that bit more ruthless in front of goal creating those big chances and picking up three points in this fixture the only sort of counter i think i can make is i think newcastle might have some success themselves in creating given that you know leads do have a tendency to give up chances to teams that are happy to play on the counter and have the ability to get in behind and newcastle have shown that this season i think that's probably the only positive that they have um, next to their name they've got pace to burn in numerous areas. Um, St. Maximan, Miguel Almiron, absolutely lightning quick. Uh, if Callum Wilson's back in this one, he'll be much the same. So I think that there is a route to goal for them. But again, when they're leaking the goals that they are and you know they're coming up against a team who's going to probably boss the middle of the park and, and dictate the tempo that this is played at, they're going to give up plenty of chances themselves. And yeah, it just comes down to whether Leeds can be that little bit more ruthless in front of goal. And if they are, I think it'll be a pretty straightforward win. Yeah, absolutely. Look, look it's going to be an end-to-end -end game more than likely. And like you said, Newcastle do have uh, the firepower and they are a threat when they're attacking. And, um, you know, we've seen from the way Leeds have played this season that 
more than likely Newcastle will be given those opportunities at some stage of the game. We haven't looked particularly tight um, defending, especially on the counter. We have looked a, a little bit weak on the counter, um, losing possession in, in the middle of the park. Uh, we're very vulnerable um, to teams breaking quickly. So, again, I'd like to think that's something that um, Bielsa addresses because I think that, you know, if he um, if he's careful and, you know, play your style, it worked for him last season and the Leeds fans love it, but tighten things up at the back and I think this will be, uh, I think this will be our first win of the season, Josh. Here's to hoping, Serge. Here's to hoping it'll be a fun show next week if they do get the three points there. Um, in terms of the markets, though, look, the model doesn't show any significant edges here. It's pretty much in line with what's available, leads minus a quarter of a goal there. Um, like I said, I probably like the overs, even though we don't show an edge on that market. I just think that there's going to be goals in this game if I had to pick something. Looking, though, at one fixture that I think is going to be super intriguing, Brighton at home to Leicester. Uh, the model really likes Brighton. The, the model does like Brighton just week to week. I think I should probably make that known to the audience. Uh, but it really likes them in this spot. 1.32, Leicester 0. 0.82. Um, a lot of value for the home side for us. Uh, I did get involved in Brighton to win, draw no bet, at plus money there. So a draw and you get your money back. Um, one thing I've been hypercritical of is Brendan Rodgers' inability to juggle European competitions. Um, I think, you know, this being one of those situations where they're going to have to play a midweek game in Europe and have a short turnaround and then go away from home in the Premier League, it's kind of sets itself up nicely for a team who, for a Brighton team anyway, who I think are very good at home. They play very expansive football, um, and make it very difficult for teams to sort of keep with them, especially when they're pushing the tempo um, like they have done in a lot of fixtures to start this season. I think the weekend was probably their only real somewhat let down, but, you know, that's purely in terms of play, not in terms of the result. Um, for me, yeah, I think the value is absolutely with the home team here, and I just wonder how Leicester are going to back things up and on that short turnaround. They had a big week against City, um, you know, it, I guess it's one of those things that can go two ways. Do they take confidence in that performance and, and carry that into the next couple of games? Or, you know, a game like that deflates you a little bit because you're kind of expected to get a point after 45 minutes. You were playing so well. Confidence is great. And, you know, you come away with nothing in, in rather deflating fashion. Maybe they take some of that frustration out in that European fixture and then get things back on track. But just given that short turnaround... And given how both the model and myself rate Brighton at home, I think the home team here are a really good look. Uh, certainly the value play for me. But your thoughts on this one, how is it going to play out? Yeah, look, look, I, I think Brighton have been absolutely fantastic this season. Uh, definitely exceeded my expectations. And, you know, even though I had very um, positive things to say about uh, Leicester against Manchester City and the way they set up, not only that, but just the the ferocity of their performance was really impressive. They were fired up for that one. I think all the points you make are really valid. You know, you've got um, uh, European competitions coming in. Um, and in addition to that, 
you know, Rogers is going to have to come up with a completely different game plan away against Brighton than he did against Manchester City. So what worked really well in creating space for, for Vardy and, you know, opening up the space for Albrighton on the wings and so on and so forth isn't going to, to work quite the same way against Brighton. And, you know, um, in addition to that, this is one of those, uh, you know, I think we, we say it most weeks, but uh, can we call it a banana skin, banana peel game yeah. for Leicester? I really Where, think it is, yeah. Yeah, look, it's, it's you know, there's some fixture congestion coming up. They, you know, they, they're going to have an eye on the next game and it's not one of those, um, you know, marquee matchups that you can really uh, fire yourself up for. This is yeah. like the bread and butter week to week and I think Brighton are going to be more fired up than Leicester. And I, I would like, a, I still think Leicester have a lot of quality. I would probably go draw or Brighton win in this one personally. But um yeah, I'm definitely uh, definitely wouldn't pick a, a Leicester win on the balance of things. Yeah, I don't think there's any value in Leicester at all, even if you think that they are going to pick up the three points in this one. Um, but yeah, like I said, I've gotten involved in Brighton. Uh, draw no bet. I think that's the play for me anyway. Uh, let's chug along, though, to another one where I think there's really good market value. West Ham at home to Man United. Look, the model has West Ham 1.5, Man U 1.37. Um, bearing in mind a couple of things here. One, it obviously hasn't adjusted for the CR7 impact, if that's what you want to call it. Um, and two, uh, I, I do put a fair bit of impetus on home ground advantage this season, which we spoke about you know, earlier on in the season and the impact it's going to have. So that's how I think West Ham are coming up as very slight winners in the model, probably a draw the predicted outcome based on the algorithms. But I think this is going to be a super tight game and, and a very intriguing one to say the least. And, you know, there's storylines galore here and, you know, I'm sure David Moyes would love to get one up um, on United. But I do think West Ham at home can be a real tricky fixture for a lot of the top teams that go there this season, um, particularly in a matchup like this where defensively West Ham sit a little bit deeper than most teams so they don't allow that space in behind. Um, we saw for the first 45 minutes in that game against Newcastle, I thought that United did not create a single clear-cut chance. Um, you know, it, it took a blunder, a goalkeeping blunder on the stroke of half time to, you know, break the deadlock and obviously sway momentum and and, you know, the mood around the stadium right on the stroke of halftime, it just changed everything. Um, but, you know, prior to that, I thought as much as United sort of dominated possession, um, as you'd expect, and, and were on the front foot for the most part, they didn't really create much clear cut in terms of opportunities. And looking at the data at halftime, um, sorry, prior to that goal, it was Man U with a 0.36 expected goal return. Um, Newcastle obviously didn't offer much themselves, 0.11 at that point. But it kind of goes to show that they were frustrated and they did struggle when there isn't that space in behind, which has always been the primary concern for me with United. And uh, so long as, you know, Solskjaer is in charge because that's just how they set up to play. And, and you know, they have the weapons that can absolutely hurt you in those situations. So... Given West Ham's ability to sort of set up and 
sit a little bit deeper and not allow that space in behind and then still have the pace as well from their fullbacks to to make up ground should they need to. I'm not sure that United are going to enjoy this fixture in the slightest. And look, I'll, I'll say it now and I'll repeat at the end of the show, the best bet for this week, according to the model, is West Ham plus 0.75 and the three quarters of a goal start. So, you know, you win on a West Ham win or draw and if they lose by a goal, you only lose half your stake there. I don't know, Serge. I, I just think that United still probably being a little bit overvalued based on the results and where they're standing without necessarily taking into account the performances that have come with them. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think, so this is the thing. I I think even without Ronaldo, Man United would really be expecting to defeat Newcastle. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Performance aside, that's a game where they'll expect to get three points. This is the sort of game that has the potential to be really cagey, uh, really intense. And, you know, were it not for the CR7 factor, uh, you know, we might be predicting a, a West Ham win. And yep. um, But, you know, this is a sort of game where you, you, you would expect Ronaldo to actually make a difference. Um, you know, again, it's going to be it's going to be tight. Um, and you know, as 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 you said, uh, Man United did struggle to make uh, to create chances for large portions of that game, and they have struggled when teams tend to sit deep. Um, but you know, you, you sign a player like Ronaldo, and you expect that um, that X factor, and it only needs to come for one moment over the course yeah. of the ninety, and, and he can make a difference. So, look, I'm not saying I, I expect Man United to win necessarily. I'm kind of feeling a, a draw for this one personally, but I think United fans will be looking at this and thinking this is a sort of game that we expect Ronaldo to to prove the difference in. Um, yeah. if, if it is close and it is it is cagey and both teams are frustrated and it looks like it's heading towards a draw, a player of Ronaldo's calibre, um, they will be expecting him to step in and make the difference. Yeah, definitely. And look, the midfield battle will be very intriguing as well. Uh, you know, West Ham's middle of the park might not be the flashiest, but um, they get through a ton of work. Uh, and I think if they can really pressure Pogba in the middle of the park, limit the space that Bruno Fernandes can get into, um, that's kind of how you really unsettle this United team, just to, to cut off the supply line. If you can really get in the face of those two players in particular, um, it puts a lot of pressure on other parts of the field where I just don't know that they can produce the same quality. Um, to create clear-cut chances. So, you know, like I said, the model likes West Ham. I like West Ham at the Asian handicap plus three-quarters of a goal there. Uh, it'll be the best bet for this weekend for sure. So, look, it'll be interesting to see as well how they back up after Europe. And, you know, it's going to be the case for a lot of these top teams, especially the first couple of European fixtures where it's just like, you know, game after game. I think next midweek i believe the league cup gets underway as well so it's just non-stop football um, for the next four weeks so squad depth is going to be crucial um you know united have it but how they utilize it i I don't know it'll be interesting to see exactly where they go with it but we'll leave that one there moving to the final game we'll preview the final game of the round i believe as well tottenham chelsea another london derby um 
at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. The model has Tottenham 1.05, Chelsea 1.55. So Chelsea likely to emerge victorious in this one. Uh, I say scrap the model. I say Chelsea win this pretty comfortably. I just don't see a way that Tottenham can pick up three points in this win. I almost feel like a point is a win for Tottenham. I don't know if you'd feel the same, and I don't know how Tottenham fans would feel about that, but I think that's kind of the reality of it, right? Yeah, look, after ripping Tottenham apart for the entirety of this podcast, <laughs> I can't go back and uh, pick them to to beat Chelsea. Look, let's be honest, I don't think, um, you know, Chelsea got the 3-0 win. I don't think that their performance was uh, particularly no. impressive. I, I think it, it flattered them. But I think, you know, you could say that um, about them a couple of times this season. They're just not playing that well, but they're still managed to managing to uh, to dominate games. And, um, you know, I do think, you know, the old saying is uh, playing poorly and still managing to win. I actually don't agree with that. I think it's about playing poorly and still dominating the game. And I think that's what we've seen from Chelsea. I think that's a hallmark of a top team, uh, whereas Tottenham have just played poorly and somehow managed to scrape <laughs> victories from very unlikely situations. Um, even even at home, I have no faith in Tottenham in this fixture. I'm all yeah. in on Chelsea personally. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, you know, the model's not showing any market value here, and I can understand why. Like, you know, we spoke about it in other fixtures this season, where when it's Derby Day, you kind of have to throw the form guide out a little bit. Um, and I think having lost last week to probably the biggest London minnows in the Premier League at the moment, anyway. Um, you know, there's going to be an expectation that they get up for a game of this magnitude and are able to put their best foot forward. But, you know, the disparity in talent for me is just too big right now to even entertain the idea that Spurs can pick up three points. Um, you know, for them to win, it would take, I think, similar circumstances to their wins against both Manchester City and Wolves where uh, they were, for me, the second best team on the park by significant margin, um, but you know managed to take an opportunity that it presented itself, and then just hung on for dear life. <laughs> if they're going to beat Chelsea, it's going to take a similar script, I think. Yeah, look, it, it it is a London derby, no denying that. But for me, I think when I really want to throw out the form guide for Spurs is against Arsenal in the North London derby. Yeah, that's a, fair. A, yeah, aside from that, um, you know, when you've got that one derby that is so important, so important to the club and to the fans, um, the other ones kind of pale in comparison a little bit. Uh, Chelsea don't have that necessarily, so I think this game um, uh, might even mean more for them on on that basis than than Spurs. Well, hey, if Chelsea win and, you know, Arsenal can beat Burnley... Only a three-point differential after five match days between two clubs who, after match day three, could not have been more polar opposite. Exactly, yeah. You had uh, first place and last place, and um, <laughs> you're nearing a reversal of that. Um, but I, I, we'll, we'll see. We'll wait and see. It's too early to call. Yeah, it's far too early to really make any um, bold predictions based on the, the standings at the moment anyway. Um, but like I said, that kind of the last marquee fixture. I'm not going to go into too much detail on the other two top teams. Liverpool at home to Crystal Palace, I think, will be pretty straightforward. 
Um, the model has Liverpool 2.85, Palace 0.62. Sure, I think Crystal Palace will be somewhat buoyed by that performance and that win um, at home to Tottenham, but going away to Anfield is just a completely different proposition. The way Liverpool are playing, I think they take care of business there pretty comfortably. City, much the same. Model has them 2.55, Southampton 0.68. If there's any one squad that I'm not worried about having to play a midweek fixture and then back up on the weekend, it's probably Manchester City. So, you know, Guardiola will manage that accordingly and I don't think they have any trouble at all at home to Southampton in that one, unless you think otherwise. It's been really interesting that Guardiola has... um you know, for the first time since he's been at Manchester City, fielded the same starting 11 for, uh, was it three or four games straight? Uh, yeah, I think it's for three games straight, right? Three games straight, yeah. So um, that's going to have to come to an end with European competition. Yeah. Um, so he was really settled on that starting 11, evidently. Um, you know, now that he has to uh, uh, change things up, you know, you really wonder whether does he have the, the same excuse me, the same faith in those players that he's kept bench? Have they Are they just not quite match fit to the point where um, he wants them to to come in? Um, you know, for, for a manager that has a reputation for uh, rotation, it's going to be interesting to see. I do think they, they win that comfortably, but, um, yeah, worth keeping your eye on the, the lineups. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a fair point. Um, let's take a look, though. Like I've already said, the best bet for this weekend for us, locked in and ready to go West Ham plus three quarters of a goal at home to Man United this weekend I would not be surprised if they pick up a point in this one at all Uh, three points might be a bit of a stretch for them I still think you know they are quite comfortably a class below United Um, but again you know in front of a home crowd that will be absolutely electric I think Um, I like the Hammers to keep this respectable and and you know, if they lose by a goal, you're only losing half your stake here as well. So that'll be the punt school best bet for this week. Champions League gets underway tomorrow, though, as well, Serge. Uh, European football. We won't talk about any individual game, but just looking at the Champions League as a whole before we sort of sign off this one, I have one question for you I want to ask, and that is will Guardiola deliver... City a European title before he's done and out the door. You're putting me on the spot here. Um, <laughs> if it's a simple yes or no question, I want to believe. I want to believe yes. Um, but again, that comes down to. So I, I think he's. I really do think that he's desperate to do this because this is starting to hang over his head now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, he stayed at City um, in terms of being a first-team coach. He's now been at City longer um, than he's ever been at any other club, including Barcelona. So, you know, for a, a manager that has sort of been comfortable to um, to challenge himself in different leagues and at different clubs, you have to ask yourself why he's been at City um so long, yes, obviously they're, they're paying him a lot and maybe he's very happy in Manchester. They're factors, but I really do think that he wants to win that Champions League trophy. Uh, yeah. I think he's got his, his, his heart set on it and he came so close last season. Um, do I think they're going to win this season? That's, 
That, that's a tough one, Josh. I'm actually feeling uh, you, 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 I don't want to get you too excited, but um, <laughs> I, I'm really loving that. Like we've discussed this, um, uh, you know, till till we turn blue. But like the the top English clubs this season are very, very, very strong. Yeah, and we already saw a Champions League uh, final with two English clubs. I really think that they're rising to dominance. I would expect to see another English club win the Champions League this season um, on the basis of what we've seen so far and, and knowing uh, Klopp's ability to, um, to you know, get his teams to perform in that competition, I would be leaning towards Liverpool right now to be that English club um, that is most likely to win the Champions League. You don't have to get me excited, Serge. I'm expecting to run very deep (laughs) in the Champions League this season as well, so long as, you know, the core of that team stays healthy Um, for all the reasons I've sort of outlined in basically every show, I feel like. Uh, But, yeah, I completely agree. I think the English teams are the teams to beat in Europe again this season, Um, particularly the way that, you know, like you said, the way that Klopp's, able to navigate those two-leg ties in the knockout stages. I think Chelsea and Tuchel can do the exact same as well. Mm. Um, they're going to be very, very difficult to beat over two legs. I think they, they can set themselves up um, structurally in a way that they're so difficult to break down and so dangerous on the counter. Um, you know, that they're, they're the teams that I, I want to keep an eye on. I think City, again, run deep. I just... I'm in the no category in terms of him delivering a European title there. I just don't think that, like, I hate using cliches like this, but I just don't feel like there's that pedigree within the squad. Um, you know, Europe is, is a completely different beast to domestic competition, right? And I think we all know that. Um, the knockout stages and the way that they're set up is is just so unique um, and it makes it so challenging in its own right. And I... I I just have question marks around City. I feel like that. I feel like their best opportunity to do so has now passed them. Um, you know, I thought, I thought that season, the first, you know, the, the pandemic season, if you will, where it was shut down, and then they played the Champions League at the end of the season. You know, in a bubble in Portugal. I thought that was that was it for them. I, I figured everything kind of fell in place for them a little bit there. Um, where, you know, they weren't going to be affected by having to go away from home to potentially some of these really difficult um, countries and uh, venues. And, you know, they stumbled at the first hurdle against a side that I didn't admittedly give a hope in hell to, to win that particular tie. So that for me was initially the season where I thought that they were going to win it. And then obviously last season where... They, they get there, they, they make the final and they play a team that, you know, they're so familiar with. And admittedly, it was a different Chelsea outfit to the one that they played at times during the season. But, you know, again, it was a case where I think Pep was kind of inside his own head in that game. And, you know, the, obviously the, the talk about the lineup and the, the team selection on the day and changing things up to try and be almost too cute. It's like... Like you said, it, I think he wants to deliver it so badly that it could be detrimental to the team because, you know, he, he almost feels like he needs to change something when I don't necessarily think that's the case, but I don't trust him in a big game to just go with 
what works best for City. And, and, you know, for that reason alone, I just think that, yeah, the time will come where he leaves Manchester and, and hasn't yet delivered them a European title. A uh, couple of points I, I, I'd like to make on that. Um, you know, I obviously agree with most of what you what you said. I, I think, like, you know, for me, is it really the, the pedigree of the squad that's holding them back or is it just uh, Guardiola's ability to manage in cup competitions? Like, for yeah. me, um, I do think he's actually a, a poor manager. For, um, for, for cup competitions. And I think that's evidenced in the fact that he's been knocked out of the Champions League, I think, three times now by English clubs that he finished much higher than in the league. So yeah. you know, Liverpool knocked him out in the season that they got, like, over 100 points in the Correct. league. Yeah. Spurs knocked them out. The following season, yeah. Chelsea have knocked them out. These are all teams that they're probably, like, 20 or 30 points ahead of in the league. How are they consistently beating you in comp- competitions? You're being um, tactically outplayed, essentially. Yeah. You know, it's a very, very like the home and away leg. It, it's a very, very different ball game. Um, we didn't just see it at City. We saw that one really embarrassing. Um, was it a Champions League semi-final by Munich, where they just got destroyed by Madrid? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm destroyed in, in the most probably one of the most embarrassing I think um, performances in in Europe was it the quarterfinal or semi-final I, th- I think it was the semi-final I could be wrong but um I think that you know point I'm making is yeah I don't think he's a good cup manager but I think if the team is good enough he can still win like he still got this team to the final and just had to do it over that last 90 minutes and yeah you know the argument that he he overthought it and he um you know he didn't get the lineup right um yeah, second it, it was I- yeah sorry i just brought it up now just to make yeah. sure but yeah it was that 4-0 loss um where coming out of it as well uh you know the fallout was that Bayern's players as well were um extremely or rather you know it, voiced their opinion rather strongly in the dressing rooms to Guardiola about changing his tactics before the game. Um, and then they went out and got rolled 4-0. So. And th- this is a Bayern team, if I'm remembering correctly, the previous season they had won the Champions League. That's right, yeah. Their, their um, previous Correct. manager, name escapes me. But, yeah, so this is a, the, the, the reigning Champions League winners just being completely embarrassed. Um so yeah, I, I think to that to that point, there is plenty of evidence to suggest that Guardiola is not at his best in comp competition. Still a fantastic manager, you know. I think the other really important point to 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 make is that sort of you know, as we discussed, um, you know, in in previous episodes, this is like the first team that Guardiola, um, first Manchester City team that Guardiola can truly call his own. You know, he inherited that squad initially. Um, yes, he molded them to to play in that um, that really trademark uh, Barcelona Guardiola style, whatever you want to call it. But the players, you know, he didn't have, um, you know, it wasn't like a fire sale, and he brought it many of his own. Um, it's come to the point now where the players that he's promoted from the youth academy, the likes of Foden, and the players he's signed to the club were all handpicked by him. 
So uh, this is Guardiola's uh, team, not just in terms of footballing philosophy, but in terms of personnel. So I think he will feel this is, you know, he, truly his opportunity to um, to win the Champions League. He's got no excuses, put it that way. It's it's yeah. all or nothing for City this yeah. season. And look, navigating the group stages has never been an issue for them, and I don't think it'll be the slightest issue either this season, although it is a difficult group nonetheless. Um, but anyway, that'll do us for this week's EPL Lounge. Like I said, anyone that's tuned in late, best bet of match day five will be West Ham plus three quarters of a goal at home to Man United. Although I do like Brighton as well, draw no bet at home to Leicester City there. Let's enjoy some midweek European football surge and then buckle up for another crazy Premier League weekend to do it all again in a week's time. Can't wait. I'm crossing my fingers for that first Leeds victory. That's... <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. You've got me absolutely rooting for them this weekend like no other. Guys, best of luck with all of your bets this weekend and best of luck to all your teams as well. We'll see you next week for the Match Day 6 preview.